Welcome to the Hands Up Feed Podcast. On this week's episode, I feel like with the urgency of our population increase and the need to increase yields, but also do it sustainably, is probably going to force us to work together. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hands That Feed podcast. I am Nick Bradley. And I'm Callie. And we have a pretty daunting topic. I feel daunting is a is a pretty good word to use when describing this topic. It's also a really urgent topic. It's about farmland loss in the United States specifically. And I know that this is a topic that is near and dear to both mine and Callie's heart. That's mainly because roughly 98% of the farms in the United States are family farms. So you can imagine majority of the land loss that occurs, occurs with family farms, just like ours. And so we just really wanted to bring this to light with all of our listeners and you guys. So we're going to get right in to talking about all of the different ways that um, land can be lost and really just the staggering numbers about how much land has been lost. Callie, I'm going to let you take it from here. Yeah, so Nick and I, prior to recording this podcast, like we were both having a conversation about how genuinely important our family farms were to us. And I mean, to the point where both of us were in tears talking about how passionate we were about our family farms. And, you know, it kind of just got us to thinking about this episode and kind of what we were going to talk about. And it really sparked up the whole farmland and loss thing because I I mentioned to you, Nick, I was like, I can't imagine ever selling my family farm. And there are so many people that do it very easily. And I feel like one significant reason is succession. The main person who's heading the farm passes away and then it goes to the kids that either A, don't care or B, don't even know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. And I feel like family succession planning is something that's like really, really important, especially in the agriculture industry and just knowing, having that plan set in place, knowing where your land is going when you pass mm-hmm. away and so, sorry to all of our listeners because we started out real real heavy um, okay. but it's it's something that needs to be talked about is just knowing where your land is going and I know in my case and it's the same for you as well Nick that there are generations in my family who have cared for the land mm-hmm. and it's the same land that that my brother and I hope to take over someday And we have a responsibility as stewards of the earth to leave that land better than we found it. Correct. And that's not possible if him and I are arguing over every square foot. It's just kind of a really touchy subject because nobody wants to talk about, hey, what's going to happen when I die? And it's just a topic that I feel like a lot gets ignored in the agriculture world. Kind of more of like a, oh, you know, they'll figure it out. (laughs) But Sometimes that's not the case. Correct. I think it's it's one thing that everybody in agriculture knows about yeah. and realizes that it's happening. It's just so many of us don't want to believe that it's happening in a way because so many of us are those family farms and we've put our entire lives into our operations, especially like our parents and, and our ancestors, because I'm lucky enough to be able to say that I'm an eighth generation farmer. We haven't always farmed the same exact land, but it's every bit of it's in my blood. 
And just a sad fact to see all this farmland just, I don't want to say being ripped away, but in some ways that's almost what it feels like because these small family farms, they get these offers of millions upon millions of dollars for their land. And it's hard for a small family farm to say no to an offer like that. Every person who owns land has the right to do whatever they want to with it. Whether that's sell it or keep it in the family or rent it out, whatever they want to do, they have the right to do that. But I think we as agriculturalists and really just society as the whole, if they want to keep getting fed and clothed, need to wake up and realize that we need to be pushing people to continue to hold on to those lands. We need to be pushing people to continue to to uphold that agriculture legacy within their families. In Tennessee, specifically, between 1997 and 2017, that's 20 years, the state of Tennessee lost 1.1 million acres of agriculture land and forestry land. That's an insane number in and of itself. But then when you look from 2017 to 2022, which was last year, you guys, from 2017 to 2022, which would be what, five years? Right. We've lost nearly half a million acres in five years. So we've lost almost half the amount of acres that it took 20 years to lose five years ago. And I know that all sounds really confusing, but it also helps me because I'm looking at the statistics right here. Those numbers are insane at the rate that we're going in the same amount of time it took us to lose that 1.1 million acres in that 20 years between 1997 and 2017 if we keep that 20 year time frame then we're going to lose almost 2 million acres 2 million acres within 20 years you guys that's insane Callie you and I both know people are moving into Tennessee like crazy. It's insane how many different people are moving into Tennessee, and there's nothing wrong with that. It makes Tennessee a more prosperous state economic-wise. It it opens the door for a lot of opportunities in Tennessee for a lot of people, and that's great. But we also have to wake up and realize what industry this state was founded off of, what everything, literally everything was founded off of, because agriculture is the most foundational industry in the world. We have to wake up and realize how important that is before we keep having numbers like half a million acres every five years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think you brought up some really important points, Nick, that we started off with kind of like the family succession planning And that's a huge reason why people sell out. But you brought up simply the fact that like the price of land and farmland specifically has grown exponentially Mm -hmm. over the past five years and is continuing to grow. And so that is a really huge incentive for small farmers to sell out. And especially when it comes time for that land to be passed down right, through the generations, it's pretty hard to look at somebody and say that that's getting this land, that that's getting all this land that their granddad or their dad owned, or even their mom or their grandma owned. And it's hard to look at a young person and go, you don't need to sell that when they're getting offered these massive prices. Right. And it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, when you're working as hard as our farmers do sometimes it just seems easy farmers are sitting on millions of dollars yes. and we definitely don't live like it 
No. And so it's just really hard. And I feel like that looks like an easy way out for a lot of agriculturalists. And I feel like another elephant in the room when it comes to agriculture is debt. Agriculture is a field where, unfortunately... It comes with a whole lot of debt due to input costs, machinery, fertilizer, seeds, the whole shebang. And sometimes it I feel like it's very overwhelming as agriculturalists. Mm -hmm. And it could be looked at as, oh, if I just sell out, I'll pay all that off and I'm good to go. And as painful as it sounds, that it seems very easy. And we talk about, you and I both talk about how much the farm means to us and kind of how it's a part of us and how we would 100% not be the people that we are today without it. But for maybe people who don't have that connection to the farm but inherited it, it's way, way easier to collect those dollars mm -hmm. than spend trying to work it or even in a lot of cases figure out how to even work it. Um, right. And I think education goes a long way. You and I have both talked about how important it is for us to learn from our parents. And because there will be one day when we're really, really going to need that knowledge and they're not going to be there. So it, it's really important to, to be educated on that stuff mm -hmm. and to know what to do with the farm if you inherit the farm in order to not see it be sold ultimately. And that to me sort of reminded me of this whole other aspect of when you said that farmers are sitting on millions of dollars worth of land, which is a massive investment on farmers' part, and it's one of the most valuable material, I guess, things that you could say anyone really yeah. owns at point. Because, I mean, there's not much land that someone hasn't set foot on <laughs> on right. the planet in general anymore. When everybody was first just discovering what lied beyond the Mississippi River, and even before that, what was across the Appalachian Mountains, I mean, that was a different story. There was land to go around. But now we're very, very, very quickly running out of space. And I'm not saying that that's obviously that problem in particular is nobody's fault. But society and the economy, especially right now, makes it very enticing to farmers to just say, look, I would be set if I just said bye-bye to, you know, all the land. And we just have to keep what a farmer's mission is in our in our minds at all times and in, in the front of our minds. And we just have to constantly remind ourselves why we're doing what we're doing and why it's important. And and like you said, education is so important in this topic as well, because so many people look at it as a good thing. Like all these houses are being built, all this new infrastructure. It's great. Schools are being improved. Roads are being improved. Theoretically, that's what would come with an influx of the population. But oftentimes, I feel like agriculture just sort of gets pushed to the wayside because it's always been here and people more or less take that for granted and they assume that it's always going to be here. And we as agriculturists just have to be prepared for that and be prepared for the day that someone walks up to either me or you, Kelly, and offers us an insane amount for the land that we have. And that also gets into some extremely personal decisions. And oh, yeah, I don't definitely. shame any single farmer that has um, sold their land for any number of reasons. Because like I said, you are a landowner that is completely your right to do whatever you want to with that land. But just like with everything else, we just have to make sure that 
people, especially this new generation of agriculturists, see the importance that land is within the agriculture community. And like, that's not like for row crops, of course, we have to have so many acres to be able to make money. But even with like ranches and just livestock in general, like you, you still have to have land unless it's like a hog barn or chicken house or or something like that like but well, those even are then pretty... someone's gotta even then someone's gotta grow the food for the animals and that <laughs> takes a lot of land so i mean there's no escaping the fact that we need land correct correct it is always going to be a need and that's why it's so daggum expensive literally everywhere I found this other statistic, Callie, that says between 2001 to 2016, nearly 2,000 acres of farmland and ranch land were lost every single day within those 15 years. Wow. That, to me, is a staggering statistic. And they also say, they go on to say in this article, that if that trend continues on to 2040, that same trend another 18.4 million acres is going to be converted to whatever else they can think of it. And and see, that's the other thing that we haven't even started to talk about yet. All this farmland that's being lost, it's being, in convert, it's being converted into things where it will never be able to be used as farmland again. Right, yeah. And, and I think that's a really, for me, that's a really, really important aspect of this because it, it would be different if they were buying this land and then in 25 years it's going to be able to be farmland again that's not what is happening at all they're putting houses on these lands for me something really personal is they're putting solar panels on the land which is a whole topic in and of itself that i could rant on about for an hour or two but <laughs> right, i'll stay off right. of that for tonight it's just crazy once you get to looking at some of these statistics and there's no telling how much these are going to exponentially grow within the next 20 years. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And like you said, it's it's kind of terrifying to sit back and look at the population increasing, the land decreasing. American Farm Bureau put out a statistic that we're going to have to produce 70% more. Our yields are going to have to increase by 70% before 2050. Mm. And that's and due to population. Have to be on less land. Yeah. And that all has to be on less land. And I mean, given the statistic we've heard so far about land loss in the United States alone, that's terrifying. Absolutely mm. terrifying. And I feel like this is an issue that has been going on for years and years. And now it's becoming an urgent need that mm -hmm. we are all urgently talking about, especially in Tennessee, since it's ranked in the top three for farmland loss in the United States. Mm -hmm. So we hear it talked about all the time in Tennessee. But I mean, it just kind of makes you wonder if this was maybe talked about sooner. Would this would this be as big of an issue? Would we be this terrified? And I mean, it all goes back. We I feel like we talk about this every week, but it all goes back to to advocating for agriculture and, mm. you know, a huge reason why we're here. And I mean, a lot of agricultural organizations like Tennessee Farm Bureau and American Farm Bureau and and the American Farmland Trust, like these people, it is their job to advocate for agriculture and to help develop policy that will help solve some of these issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, partnering with those people and telling them how you feel. I know Farm Bureau is a grassroots organization, so they're very big on, 
taking in inputs from mm -hmm. the people and, and what is going on with the farmers yeah. themselves. If we have to advocate for what we want done in the agriculture industry in order to see it happen. Mm -hmm. No, I 100% I agree. And my question becomes, we, we do have these amazing organizations such as Farm Bureau and the American Farmland Trust and, and people like that that are advocating for us. But I personally don't see any one size fits all solution to this problem. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I think that just adds another layer of complexity on top of everything. I mean, I've heard it thrown around of an idea specifically for land loss is to provide some kind of incentive for farmers who don't sell out, but how, how are you going to regulate that? I mean, Kelly, have you heard of any other solutions or things that maybe Farm Bureau or the, all these different people are, are advocating for in this area? Because I've, I've not heard a lot recently, but the biggest one I've heard is just somehow an incentive or compensate them for holding onto their land or something like that. But I'm just curious if you've heard anything else. Yeah, you know, it's been kind of it's been kind of a wild ride. And I would definitely kind of agree with you there that there is no one size fits all solution to the issue. It's definitely up and down for sure. It's so hard because we have to protect people's personal property ownership rights, of course. But how are we gonna protect those rights? Try not to force things on anyone, but also mm -hmm. kind of like what you said, regulating some kind of financial incentive program. And I know a huge win for Tennessee was when they passed the legislation back in July to where no alien corporations can purchase land in the state mm -hmm. of Tennessee. So that was a huge win for us and definitely kind of helping and kind of a different outlook, but it doesn't support the farmer. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's really just more of like a prevention matter for more land being lost. But I really feel like we do need something to incentivize the farmers and really some kind of financial compensation. But it's kind of like what you said, how do we regulate that? How do we how do we really get into that is is mm -hmm. the question. One thing that I think would be cool to bring up, I don't know if you've heard or seen a lot about this recently, but Arkansas actually just became the first state in the United States to pass a law that consisted, it is strictly condensed down to just Chinese-owned companies, but no Chinese-based or owned companies can own land in Arkansas on agricultural lands. Yeah, yeah. And specifically, I believe it's Syngenta that has a, like a, I guess that would be more or less like a test plot area where they do some testing. They own, I think the the figure that I heard was a little over a hundred acres. That may be very wrong. So don't quote me on that. I don't have those numbers up right in front of me. I think even that could help with this because I've heard a lot recently more and more things about uh, these foreign countries coming in here and buying up U.S. farmland and even U.S. houses. And and that's not to get political or anything. It's just that's what's happening. And we have to be aware that these things are happening and we have to make ourselves educated on these things. Oh, yeah. We're lucky that our state has really recognized that and yeah. fought against that. That's not the case across the nation. So it's something that's very hard to pinpoint. And Right now, it's all kind of being rushed because we didn't really push 
a solution sooner. So everyone is trying to grasp for some kind of solution and it's really hard to find one, essentially. Something that I think is kind of crucial to the conversation that not a lot of people talk about is urban agriculture and kind of working with the development in a lot of ways. We can't stop development from happening. And it's kind of like what you said earlier, development isn't all bad. There's a lot of good economically, infrastructurally, and in many other ways that is coming from our state developing. And so we as agriculturalists can learn to recognize that and kind of move forward in that. But urban agriculture isn't something that's really being researched as much. Right. And I feel like that's a direction that our country is going to not only is just going to take, but is going to have to take. Because Mm -hmm. with our loss of land, we need to be figuring out how do we build structures for plants to grow inside? How do we build vertical structures? How can we expand architecturally Mm -hmm. um, in developing a scene for urban agriculture to thrive in the United States? And that's something that we can't overlook. I mean, right now we're trying our best to do prevention matters and it's some is working, some is not. Sometimes another part of it is learning to grow along with it. Correct. And I also think that can be a struggle within the agricultural community. Uh, simply just because all these farmers, all these people have always done it one specific way. And when you start to introduce all these new things that are changing the foundation of the industry itself, that's especially daunting and sort of scary for a lot of people. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, urban agriculture, yes, I think it's a great thing. I think there's lots of opportunity within that. It's sort of scary as especially I feel like it would be Really scary for you, Cal, being a produce farmer. Yeah. Or y'all do some produce, rather. And having that urban agriculture come to life, I really do feel like it will within the next few years, which is great. But that would sort of be scary to me, having that aspect of the industry start being more and more prevalent, especially when urban agriculture would have a direct impact on what my family farm did. Oh, for sure. And there's definitely going to have to be some kind of line of us honestly working together in some way. I feel like with the urgency of our population increase and the need to increase yields, but also do it sustainably Mm -hmm. is probably going to force us to work together. I mean, you can never tell. And I feel like agriculture research is more important now than ever because due to research, we have been able to grow so much over the years. I mean, corn alone, the yields have increased 390% since the year of 1950 in the United States. And that's all because of of research. Companies, I mean, you mentioned Syngenta, companies like Syngenta and Bayer who are constantly putting out new crops and developing new crop hybrids. And it's just really, really important to our industry and important to our survival, essentially. Mm -hmm. 
because there is there is no way that we could be producing what we produce now if we were farming the same way that we did in 2050. And I think that really gives us a lot of hope as well looking for it. I know we've kind of hit everybody with a lot of negatives over this episode, but I think through agriculture research, we've seen a lot of honestly miraculous change over the years. And yeah. that's what it's going to take in order to feed our future. 100% agree. It's pretty amazing when you just sort of sit down and look at all the different technology, whether that's seed technology or literal technology. Right. The cool thing about agriculture is it's always going to have job security. Like you're never going to have to worry about being out of a job per se, because people are always going to need the things that we do. And yeah. we grow. And along with that also opens a lot of opportunity for agribusinesses or ag-based businesses to, there's a lot of incentive there for innovation and new technologies. And if there wasn't that incentive, all those companies to build these nicer things, to build this better technology, to find new ways to do what needs to be done, then I think we would be in really rough shape right now. But since we do have those people that are willing to take that risk and get that incentive of creating a new drone to spray crops, whatever it may be. It's just, it's pretty impressive that we've come from where we were. I'm really excited to see where we're going to get. Even by the time my time on this earth is done, I expect to see a lot of changes. Oh yeah, definitely. We have, we've talked about a lot of fears that we had, but ultimately ended on a, on a high note, I think. <laughs> and <laughs> You know, I would say I'm excited for the future of agriculture, honestly, because we do, it's like you said, we have ag organizations growing. We have seen the urgency of farmland loss, and we've seen the urgency of a lot of issues in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And we have organizations, I feel like not just the organizations, but everyone in the agriculture community has really stepped up to speak out. We interviewed Matt and Kelly Griggs, uh, a few episodes back. And I think they're just a, a wonderful example of two people who are just advocates for agriculture. You know, they're just mm -hmm. two simple farmers from West Tennessee who have made their YouTube channel and farmed successfully and really spread truth about the agriculture industry. And mm -hmm. their decision to do that has helped other people become advocates for agriculture as well. And so it makes me excited with the growth of technology to kind of see where agriculture heads. Some of these people, y'all, in organizations like FFA and Young Farmers and Ranchers and, and all of these quote-unquote younger agriculture organizations, there are some awesome people that I'm really excited to see what kind of difference they make within this industry. And I can't wait to to sit back and watch it happen and maybe be a small part of it along the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. And with that, we'll conclude our episode of the Handset Feed Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Handset Feed Podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and don't forget to rate and review our podcast and share with your friends. We'll see you next week.